بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمد رسول کریم اما بعد الحمد للہ جنائی از دا ٹوینٹی تھرڈ آف آگسٹ ان دی ایئر ٹو تھاؤزینڈ اینڈ ٹوینٹی the fatherless subject of the status of our beloved messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam so in another fascinating report sayyidina anas radiyallahu he relates that our beloved messenger said sallallahu alaihi wasallam al anbiya la yutrakuna fi quburihim ba'da arba'ina layla the prophets alayhi salatu wasallam are not left in their graves for 40 nights. وَلَكِنَّهُمْ يُصَلُّونَ بَيْنَ يَدَيِّ اللَّهِ Except that they then begin offering salah in the presence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala حَتَّى يُنْفَخَ فِي السُّورِ Until the horn will be blown. Are you ushering in the hour? So this narration is recorded in Tabarani, Behaqi ibn Hiban Abu Nu'im Jam'a al-Wasail fi Sharha al-Shama'il, volume 1, number 53. Imam Sayyudi rahmatullahi in his Unmudaj al-Labib fi Khasais al-Habib, a sample of the special characteristics of the beloved sallallahu alayhi wa sallam for the intelligent, page 171 of the New English Translation, and Hafiz Abdul Haq Muhaddith Dahlawi, in his Jazbul Qulub ila Diyar al-Mahbub Absorption of the hearts towards the abode of the beloved sallallahu alayhi wa sallam page 324 of the English translation So Amazing statements by the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam The first statement he made sallallahu alayhi wa sallam He said the Prophets alayhi salatu wa sallam are not left in their graves for 40 nights So I'm going to explain this in a bit, inshallah. So, from Adam, alayhi salatu wa salam, all the way through to our beloved messenger, sallallahu alayhi salam, they are not left in their graves for 40 nights. Then the Prophet explains, sallallahu alayhi salam, except that they begin offering salah in the presence of Allah. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. So they're offering salah until the horn will be blown. Adding details, Sa'id ibn al-Musayyib, rahmatullah alayhi, he said, No Prophet, alayhi salatu wa salam, remained in his grave for more than 40 days until he was raised. This is recorded in Abdul Razak in his Al-Musannaf, Jami al-Thawri, Imam Sayyuti in his Unmudaj al-Labib fi Khasais al-Habib, page 171 of the New English Translation. So he's just echoing the words of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The Prophet said sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the Prophets are not left in their graves for 40 nights, then they offer salah. Sayyid ibn al-Musayyib, the most learned of the Ta'abi'een said, no Prophet is left in his grave for more than 40 days until he is raised. Imam Behaqi, he clarified, rahmatullahi Its meaning is that they, alayhi salatu wa sallam, become like the rest of the living and they thus reside wherever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the most high takes them 
This is recorded by Behaki and Imam Sayyuti in his Unmudaj Al-Labib Fi Khasais Al-Habib, page 171 of the New English Translation. So the great Imam of the Shafi school, Imam Behaki, Rahmatullah said, this means that the Prophet become like the rest of the living. And they reside wherever Allah wants them to reside. Imam Behaki also clarified further, Rahmatullah this proves the permanent life of the prophets والسلام, in their graves. However, for the first 40 days, their worship and salah remains hidden. I, for some reason known only to Allah the Almighty, subhanahu wa ta'ala, recorded by Behaki and Hafiz Abdul Haq Muhaddith Dehlawi in his Jazbul, Jazbul Qulub ila Diyar al Mahbub. Page 324 of the English translation. So Imam Behaki says, we can deduce from these reports that the prophets, والسلام, that they are alive in their graves and it's permanent. Mm-hmm. It doesn't end. Mm-hmm. But for the first 40 days when they've tasted death, their worship and salat is concealed. Mm-hmm. And Imam Behaki doesn't go into details because I don't, I don't know what the wisdom is there. But for the first 40 days after they've tasted death, it's concealed for some reason. Meaning they're still praying, they're still doing, but it's concealed. <laughs> this stay in the grave, however, appears to have been shortened for our beloved messenger. Because he, sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, I, sallallahu alayhi wasallam am too honorable in my Lord's sight for him to leave me in my grave after three days. <laughs> I am too honorable in my Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala's sight for him to leave me in my grave after three days. Recorded by Imam al haramain in his Al-Nihaya, Hafiz Al-Rafi'i in his Al-Shar Al-Saghir, Imam Sayyuti in his Unmudaj Al-Labib Fi Khasais Al-Habib, page 171 of the New English Translation. So it apparently was unique for the Prophet. It was reduced to three days, sallallahu alayhi wa so let's put this simply. What do we take from this? The exalted messengers and prophets, والسلام, they taste death. Just like all the creation. And thereupon remain in their respected graves for 40 days. During which period their exalted worship is concealed from one and all. And this time period was reduced for Rasulullah to just three days. However, after the distinct 40 days or three days for our beloved messenger, they thereupon can leave their blessed resting place and travel, reside and worship wherever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wishes for them. The peace and blessings of Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be eternally upon each and every one of these truly chosen and elite majestic men. Amen. So now think about that. These last two paragraphs I've made, how strange do they sound? Why do they sound strange? Because we haven't been taught. On the face of it, what did he just say? The prophets don't stay in their graves for more than 40 days and it's reduced for three days for the Prophet and they worship and they can go wherever they want. Yeah. And then the obvious 
knee-jerk reaction, where is that mentioned? In Hadith. Who gave the commentary? Not me. <laughs> the giants. <coughs> Imam Behaki, Imam Zayuti, you know, etc., etc. Rahim Muhammadullah. So is that anywhere comparable to the rest of humanity? <laughs> Even when they are in the barzakh, they're not like us. So famously, we should all know, the martyrs are alive. Allah the Almighty and Glorious says in the Quran, do not think that those who, are, who have uh, been martyred, do not think that they are dead. They are alive in the presence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Another verse says, do not say it. So there's two commands, don't say it and don't think it. So we don't need to go into that. The Quran is telling you that. So Hamza radiyallahu, can we say he's dead? No. We're forbidden to say that. Can we say Musa ibn Umayyah is dead? No. Can we say any of the martyrs that have been recorded in Revelation, we can't say they're dead. The Quran is telling you. And yet, apparently, they tasted death. So the response to that is, Allah honors them. And he honors them in a way which is hidden to us. So if that is the state of the martyrs, what about the prophets? If Allah has talked about the martyrs in the Quran, and he's not talked about those who are far greater than them, it doesn't take a brain surgeon to work out that this must also be even more so for the case of the holy prophets and messengers. And then the scholars look into it because there's a world of difference between the martyrs and the prophets, even though they're both alive. So what's the difference? The martyrs, though they are alive, their legacy is inherited, is distributed. Their wives can remarry after the waiting period. Normal procedure. That is alien to the prophets. Their legacy is not distributed, not a single penny. What we leave behind is sadaqah, the prophet said, and their wives, our mothers, can't get married again. <coughs> Why is that? Because they are alive in a more real sense. So note again, if you look at all these things, you realize that they are unique. And even in their passing, they have been given extraordinary honor. And even just prior to their passing, if I was to ask you, before you die, <coughs> will the angel of death give you an option to live or die? Burst out laughing. What are you talking about, brother? The angel of death doesn't ask questions. He just does. He doesn't do that for the prophets. He gives them a choice. In Sayyid Bukhari, the Prophet said that the prophets are given a choice whether to live or to pass. Is that like me and you? Now look how strange that is. What do I mean by strange? Because when a person dies, there's outward reasons for death. For example, old age, illness, or wounded on the battlefield. You know, it can go on and on. No matter what scenario a prophet is in, he's still given a choice. Think about that. So even if he was 10,000 years old, extreme old age, he's still given a choice. If he was, you know, seriously wounded on the battlefield, he's still given a choice. What does that tell you about the prophets? They're not like me and you in the least. That's why all of this is documented. So why? Because they are chosen by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Every moment of their lives is a sign from Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
Thus consider the following beautiful words of Hassan ibn Thabit when he said in praise of the Prophet sallallahu one more handsome than you, my eyes never saw. One more beautiful, no woman ever bore. You were fashioned free of each and every flaw, as if you were formed in just the way you sought. Recorded by Hafiz Al-Alusi in his Ruh Al-Ma'ani, Hafiz Abdul Haq Muhaddith Dahlawi in his Jazb Al-Qulub, Ila Diyar Al-Mahboob, page 146 of the English translation. So the English translation, they've done well. <laughs> they've tried to rhyme, but they've done it. So what did, who's Hassan first of all? Hassan ibn Thabit was the famous orator of the Prophet. He, you know, he, uh, the Prophet made a pulpit for him in Masjid al-Nabi, and he goes, you know, Recite and Ruhul Qudus is with you, Jibreel. So, when he was reciting poetry in defense of Allah and his messenger, Jibreel was with him. So, when he was uttering these words, who was with him? Nad Khan, right? So, what did he say? One more handsome than you, my eyes never saw. He lived 120 years. Then he said, one more beautiful no woman ever bore. You were fashioned free of each and every flaw. As if you were formed in just the way you sought. Look how beautiful. And this is why they say he was the auditor for excellence. As if, you know, if you were given a choice, how would you like to have been formed? So you just choose every perfect part. Because that was Rasulullah. It's like he was, he himself created himself, he designed himself. He was given that choice by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. These are not exaggerations by his chosen and most honored family and students. For in one report, it explicitly states, مَا بَعَثُ اللَّهُ نَبِيًّا إِلَّا حَسَنَ الْوَجْحِ حَسَنَةَ الصَّوْتِ Every Prophet, alayhi salatu wa salam, was sent with beautiful features and a beautiful voice. And your Prophet was the most beautiful of them in features and the most beautiful of them in voice. This is in Tirmidhi in his Shama'il ibn Asakir in his Tariq Dimishq. So now why is this important to highlight? You know, look how sad it is. You have to go back to nursery level of understanding. Musa wasalam, had a stutter. Did he have a stutter? Who said he had a stutter? Right? And he goes, well, the Quran says it. No, it doesn't. Firon said it. Is he your Imam? Firon said, who's better, me or the one who could hardly make himself clear? So you take him as a proof. We're not bothered about Firon. Why is Allah recorded that in the Quran so you don't follow Firon? But instead of not following him, you're following him. Because, boy, yeah, but then did, didn't he make a dua? Rabbi shurahli sadri. Wa yassilli amli. Wahlul uqlatam min lisani yafqahu qawli. Yes, he did. In Surah Taha. He said, oh, my Lord, remove the impediment from my speech. Loosen the knot. 
So, yes, he made that dua. What's the tafsir of that dua? He wanted Harun to help him. So instead of just blatantly saying to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Ya Allah, please appoint my brother to help me. He, the prophets always highlight some weakness. He's supposed to show weakness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So what did Zakariya say before he asked for the son? Because my hair has grown silver with age and my bones have become feeble. And I've never prayed to you in vain. Then he mentioned, bless me with somebody to inherit me. So what was uh, Musa going to do? Exactly the same. What was the impediment? He did say that. There's an impediment in my speech. So Mufti Shafi, Rahmatullah he said in my Raful Quran, and he's quoting reference, he said Musa wasalam, he had left Egypt. He, was, he had grown up speaking Coptic, you know, the Coptic language with the Firon. And of course, he was Bani Israel. He had now been away from there over a decade. He's not spoke the language. So now Allah Ta'ala has told him, go back. So he uses that to say, Ya Allah, I'm not as fluent now in that language. But he was obviously, it was just a way of showing weakness. Then Allah Ta'ala says, you know, said, yes, I will appoint your brother as a wazir. Harun alayhi salatu So he didn't, and then you get people, I don't know, you know, where they're coming from. He goes, I've got a stutter, just like Musa alayhi salatu Who the hell are you, brother? To compare yourself to Musa alayhi salatu You know, have you learned basic adab? You know, does a Muslim compare himself to a prophet? That's the first thing, right? And then you think, why have you said it on a public platform where millions are going to listen to you? Well, he said it, he said it, right? So again, note, you know, this is all just basic knowledge. So what did the Prophet say? Look at the report. I just mentioned it. Every Prophet was sent with beautiful features, beautiful voice. What sort of a beautiful voice is that? The Prophet is telling you they've all got everyone. They've been given a... But he started though. But he's got a beautiful voice. Show me the strutter with a beautiful voice. Right? You know, the Prophet is telling you, you know, about the Prophets. Then what did he say? Your Prophet was the most beautiful of them and the one with the most beautiful voice. This is why the companion said, we've never heard a recital like Rasulullah. <laughs> now what's interesting about this hadith, if you ask a Muslim and he doesn't think, who had the most beautiful voice amongst the prophets? They say Dawood. Mm-hmm. So obviously, you know, you don't find fault with them. He said, think about it, brother. And he goes, the Quran says, and yeah, mashallah, Quran says, but uh, who gave you the Quran? What did he say? He goes, I've got the most beautiful voice. What did the Prophet say? He said, Allah listens more ardently to a prophet reciting the Quran, then one of you listen to a songstress. <laughs> Meaning what you're obsessed with. He goes, Allah Ta'ala listens to a prophet even more with awe and love and veneration. So when Rasulullah recited, imagine, that's why the Kufar just would listen to him at night. Abu Jal would go, Abu Sufyan, they'd be listening at night, they couldn't get enough of him. But during daytime, he's, no, no, he's a liar, he's this and that, well, what are you listening to him for? Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Indeed, our beloved Messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, does reach such a level of closeness and preference 
that even the archangel Jibreel could not attain. There came a state at Sidrat al-Muntaha where even Jibreel stopped. He could go no further. He thus said humbly to Rasulullah sallallahu It is for you and your Lord now. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is my station which I dare not transgress else I be vitrified in the noor. Recorded by Sheikh Ali ibn Burhan al-Din in his Sira al-Halabi. So let's look at this. So who was the honorable person sent to escort Rasulullah to be with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Jibreel. Jibreel was his, you know, the one who was attending to the Prophet He went as far as he could. Then he stopped. Now we've discussed this a few weeks back. Allah the Almighty subhanahu wa ta'ala has got 70 veils. Jibreel said, if I go near the first one, I will burn. Israfil said the same as well. So maybe it's the same point. But who now could go past that point? Bole bali? Jibreel, we know his strength. You know, hopefully you know his strength. You know, he rips cities, you know, with one tip of his wing. Sodom and Gomorrah, you know, slam dunk. You know, his strength is phenomenal. He can't go past this point. What did he say? Look at the words. Look at the strange statement he's made. It is for you and your Lord. Now he goes, this has got nothing to do with me. Now it's you and Allah the Almighty. Then he said, What does Allah say about the angels? The angels themselves say, we have a maqam. هَذَا مَقَامِ لَا أَتَعَدَّ I dare not transgress. Then he said, فَزَجَّ بِي فِي النُّورِ Else I be vitrified in the light. Meaning I will burn. So, what did the Persian poet say? He described the momentous moment thus. This is in Bustan, a Saadi. A hair's breath further if I were to tread by the Lord's brilliant light, my wings would shred. <laughs> A hair's breadth further, if I were to tread by the Lord's brilliant light, my wings would shred. <laughs> These are the poets. Now the poets, what they're singing about? You know, imagine women, drugs. The rappers, they're the new poets. But what a waste of talent. He was on good, like the poets of old. So who was he talking about? He was talking about Jibreel. So to conclude, consider, it was the noble archangel Jibreel who first embraced our beloved messenger, transferring his angelic qualities to him in the famous embrace in the Mount Hira. Then, our beloved Messenger made such effort, gave such sacrifice, that within just 10 years, he advanced so far and attained such a unique and heightened station that even the greatest of angels was left behind. Subhanallah. What was the time between 
this point where he goes, I can't go any further. Ten years. <laughs> the beginning, he was hooking the Prophet, passing his angelic qualities onto the Prophet. Within ten years, now he goes, now I can't go any further. And look how beautiful it is. <laughs> Normally, you've got witnesses. So and so saw the Prophet around the Kaaba, so and so. After this point, there's no witnesses. <laughs> Rasulullah has to talk about himself. <laughs> you can't get Sahaba saying Abu Bakr goes this and that and the other. But there are interesting reports. They have weakness. One report says that when Rasulullah was now literally going where no one has gone before. Imagine that one, innit? Somebody goes, uh, no one has gone before. Right? So it's the Prophet. So obviously he's, he's gonna, his heart was now in trepidation. He hears Abu Bakr's voice. And then when he has the divine audience, he respectfully asks, he goes, oh my Lord, he goes, I heard my sincere friend's voice. Was he with me? And the report says that the divine response is, no, but I know that you like his company. <laughs> so Sukhullah said, there was also somebody else there. But this was part of the divine grace. And who was there? Imagine it. Abu Bakr. Why was Abu Bakr there? Because he's the greatest of the prophets. Clinging unto the feet in one image of the Prophet which the Vatican holding. Imagine that one. Subhanallah. So note, talking about our beloved messenger, you realize that he was unique in every sense of the word. Right? In every sense of the word, he was absolutely unique. Whether he was with us, whether he tasted death, whether he's in Barzakh, and note again how far we are from this and how often we utter the kalima without even reflection. What you mean when you say that, brother? I bear witness that Muhammad is the messenger. What do you mean by that? Was he a postman? But just send the message. Like people say he just you know, he sent the message, didn't he? MashaAllah. He did a good job. Astaghfirullah. Imagine. Send the message. Astaghfirullah. Are there any questions you let us? Subhanallah <laughs>